0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: And top of the
2: morning to you, everybody. Rich, i here live on Southern Sports Central. A beautiful, well, drier hopefully Monday morning than it was uh, yesterday going into the evening last night here in the Carolinas. Of course, that front comes through. I'm not sure if it's a cold one or a warm one, but it definitely brought the rain as we're live here on Southern Sports Central. For the next two hours, we're going to talk a lot about so much, so much football on the docket today and on the menu all the way from the college to the NFL teams are in teams are out. Who is in, who was out? Where do they stand? They all know a little bit more after last night, yesterday, all weekend. I mean, there were so many things uh, that quite frankly, uh, you start to kind of put things in perspective here now. And there's a little bit more realization, even in college, that conversation happened, of course, uh, over the weekend uh, on Saturday, as you know, uh, was the, uh, the semifinals for four of the teams. Now two of them are in, two of them are out. And uh, we'll talk a lot about that Clemson, of course, Ohio State that was in the desert. There's a lot of questions there. I know that's something that a lot of you guys want to jump into here uh, after we uh, come back from break. We'll uh, kind of dissect a little bit about that here today. And uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, my thoughts, my opinions on it um, and how things kind of went uh, to play here. And uh, we've got a bunch of guests coming in here today. We've got two guests, to be quite honest with you. And uh, we're excited to have, uh, of course, uh, the two guests that are ready to join us here. One at 7:30, uh, and this should be a good one. We're excited uh, to get him back in here. He joined us uh, last week for the first time, and uh, I knew that he'd be a clutch uh, contributor to the show. As uh, well, he's going to do it one more time here. And again, we, we're always excited to get our guys to come back here after they uh, hang out with us a little bit. But uh, we'll, of course, we'll get in here with them, and uh, and we'll have some conversations here, uh, getting into it here this morning. So uh, you know a lot of things happening. We'll get into some of those uh, interviews and some of those things that are happening here this morning as uh, Ben Moore is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun as, as well as we'll uh, kind of dive into the ups and downs and all arounds. From what he saw, he was there actually at the other game that happened earlier that day. That was, of course, uh, the LSU shootout. That was by uh, Mr. Boro uh, himself. Uh, Joe Borough had a uh, heck of a game. I mean, this guy was throwing it at will landing it at ease and uh, had a record amount of touchdowns thrown even before the first quarter was over second quarter, same thing, third quarter, same thing. And um, LSU just looks that good. You know, and my question is, can anybody stop them? Uh, That's uh, something we'll get in here today as well as we're going to try to dive in and hang out with you here throughout the show and really kind of have a lot of fun here because there's so many things here to get into uh, from the college level, there was other games that happened on Saturday. Of course, uh, Penn state played their game. I thought it was a very complete game for them. There was some other games that took place over the weekend, uh, that we'll dive into those games as well. And then Sunday happened. Of course, there were some NFL games on Saturday. And then there's some NFL games on uh Sunday for sure that I think you wanted to kind of dive into, look into. And, um, if you're a Packers fan, like I am, of course, uh, and, and so was Will here, who we are going to bring in here in just a minute, um, when you start to kind of put things in perspective, how did they go for the Packers? Now the Packers, by the way, did win their game and they did sweep their division. And uh, that's huge. Uh, but it wasn't enough to get them uh, the number one. seed. we'll talk about that here today, as well as what happened on the other side. That's right. The, uh, the AFC side. So there was a lot of things uh, on both of the dockets there as well. So that's further do. I uh, will bring in. will here uh, this morning and will uh, you know, it was a weekend full of, uh, of football for sure. It sure was. And uh, this time in about three, four weeks from now, we'll be looking back on, man, what, what happened, where'd it go? And for all of you guys who complain, too many bowl games, trust and believe me, there will be a Saturday here real soon that you won't have any bowl games to worry about. You won't have anything to worry about. Uh, a lot of coaches uh, were giving some walking papers over the weekend as well. More coaches, uh office and defensive coordinator over there at Vanderbilt. Now they're looking for jobs. And, uh, of course, uh, that's something that, that, again, I'm not surprised. But, you know, you're Vanderbilt. It, it, and it's hard, and I get it. And there's only been one, maybe two coaches I've seen go to Vandyland and do something impressive. One of those guys, he's now at Penn State, and uh, he's completely, you know, uh, taking a program that was in uh, just disarray, if you will, at, at Penn State because of what happened with Joe Pah. And then the gentleman after him tried to do the impossible. You know, how'd that go for him? well we'll get a little bit more to that as well but i uh, will good morning to you my friend uh you watched a lot, i know a lot of football yesterday as well you ended up catching up with a lot of it on saturday you were a clemson fan and you know i don't want to get into too much
0: here in the first segment but uh your overall opinion from the weekend yeah of course and uh good morning to everybody out there and good morning to you richie yeah it's a, a great great slate of games uh that that we've had this weekend you know um the the college football uh, semifinals were on Saturday and then all the NFL games, in fact, were were played on Sunday. And uh, today is Black Monday. What that means is that uh, some, some uh, programs, some of the NFL uh, teams, the head executives and whoever that you want to look at that makes the the football decisions, they are going to, um, they're going to fire uh, coaches today. Now uh, with the, the Cleveland Browns got a head start early, and they uh, let go of Freddie Kittens. And this is a probably a topic that we can get into later on uh, in the show, because right now it's it's a lot of the college conversation. Uh, I'm sure stemming stemming from the weekend, and uh, a, a lot of uh, talking points to get into. And like um, like Richie said, I think it's Ben Moore from 24/7 Sports who was there uh, live in person of the the Chick-fil-A Beach Bowl that was in Atlanta, Georgia. Now that one was the Ohio, uh, not the Ohio state, uh, LSU in Oklahoma. And that, that was a completely different game than what you saw at 8 PM. Um, the other night. So uh, a lot of football on the docket, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are trending, uh, still on, on social media, on Twitter, uh, which you can follow us and join the conversation on Twitter. Uh, at s o sports central um and and that way we can be able to get out some of the uh some of the many uh, many many talking points that uh, were of course from the weekend and if you want to call in and be a part of this program and to let your opinion be heard, uh please by all means, the number to call into, of course, is three two three seven eight four nine six eight one Richie, this is going to be a very fun Monday Uh, of show to talk about football, no doubt. Yeah, because we're going
2: to get in here at 8 o'clock with Ben Moore than Reginald Walker. You remember uh, the gentleman who is uh, a radio broadcast for uh, a couple of different individuals. One, of course, is the 49ers out of Charlotte who played for Penn State, by the way. He's going to join us at 7.30, uh, Ben Moore at 8 o'clock. That way that you and I, Ben, can talk before and after some of that stuff as well. We can kind of dissect some of that. But with so much going on, I did want it to become a one-sided, one-dimensional conversation. For me, I'm not a Clemson Tiger fan, and I'm not a Buckeye fan, uh, even though, uh, you know, I do understand, hey, look, it's a team from the state of South Carolina. You want the team from your home state to win. I can go with that. You know, I was about that. Uh, so it didn't hurt my feelings to see the Tigers come out victorious. But I also have an ability to watch this game and, and not have a bunch of feelings wrapped up into it, not have uh, kind of like a counselor, if you will, and a marriage counseling seminar. You know, I, I understand that the catch was a catch. It wasn't a catch. I can look at the targeting call. We'll talk about that today. I know those are the two calls that you want to go to as well. So there's a lot of things we're going to get into. But the first thing we're going to dive into is a break. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and again, uh, we'll take some calls today. You want to join us? You can do that at three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We'll start tweeting here now, getting your information to us at So Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. I'm Richie Yawman. This is. Southern Sports Central on the Block Talk Radio Network family.
1: Hmm. Hello, good morning, how you doing? Waking up, shaking yesterday's food, yeah. turn the TV off the bad news, man. Feeling fresh like a tip stock, like new man. Okay, with a champagne tuna. The moment the yard. Hell yeah! Baby, it's a rare day. Ain't no over me. feel the my life Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The rest of my life going start today. the this evolution, and to another animal on next level. I'm to In the future, now the past can't harm me Forget about yesterday, Paul McCartney. I'm feeling like a Beatle on stage in the whole wide world Was like this I've been uh, up I've been down but, down but I got the feeling
2: out of the morning to everybody. I'm Rich I'm here alongside Will Porter, the producer on the other side of the window here as we're getting things ready to rock and roll. Got a lot of things happening here early this morning, 7.30. Reginald Walker is going to join us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina. He'll check in here with us. He played his football days at Penn State with the Nittany Lions. Of course, they won big over the weekend. We'll talk about that win and what does it mean for uh, Penn State. Then at 8 o'clock, we'll go to the ATL. That's where, of course, uh, Ben Moore, 24-7 sports, was there in-house, on property, inside the dome there to watch uh, a matchup a shootout a record breaking game between LSU and Oklahoma boy my heart goes out to a guy and and, and of course uh, will you you know my thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurst I'm a big Jalen Hurst fan I liked him in Alabama
0: I really like him in Oklahoma
2: and I hate to see him go this way
0: yeah so am I so did I and it, it hurts my heart as well Um, you know it's such a such a great overall talent you know if if you were to um, you know I think if you were to go into uh, your NCAA football game, and to create a player, I think that you create Jalen Hurts just just the way that he's um, older. And then also, you know, not not even that that goes even without saying his his way of uh, talking, his way of presenting himself. Right. He presents himself like he like he's a veteran uh, to the sport that he should already be in the NFL. Uh, has been in the NFL for the past five years, but you wouldn't know it because uh, he, he was still in college. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, that he played his last game and, and to go out that way, and, right. and it's and it's very uh, it's it, it's very somber. Uh, you you, I think a lot of us, heard his press conference over the weekend, uh, that he said that you know this is surreal. This is the last time that I get to play uh, college football, um, it, it, like in a college football uniform uh, before he and this is all before he goes into the draft, but um. Yeah, just just his emotions. You could feel it yourself, as if you were as if you were there, or as if you were a family member of his that was feeling his pain. That that's what you felt.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that's been around for a long time. He started with Alabama, started committed there at the University of Alabama, and uh, graduated, got his uh, degree. And that's one thing he said. He said, "Well, I got to Alabama. I said I was going to get my degree. He did it. He got his degree. Then he jumped into that portal." then he went somewhere else and then he had another chance there and here's the fun part of it if you're oklahoma you know you got a chance to finish with a guy who's going to go down as a legend in a game of college football he might not be one of the greatest quarterbacks but he's definitely a clutch quarterback he's a guy who does it the right way on and off the field you never heard about him in the headlines in all the years that he was wearing a college uniform you never heard about him doing it the wrong way And so many of those guys you do here's some stats coming out of uh the Jalen Hurst camp after the years that he spent in a college jersey he had four college football playoff trips, and that's pretty impressive in itself. One national championship, 38-4, and the starting quarterback in college football, 9,477 yards, 80 touchdown passes, 3,274, that's 3,274 yards on the ground with 43 t- uh, rushing, uh, rushing touchdowns and a Heisman finalist. I don't care what you say, how you look at it. Like him for the jersey that he wears, but you got to respect the man that he is on and off the field. And and there are a few athletes that I would tell my boys, that's the kind of athlete you want to be like. James Reeves is one. He's a local kid here from uh, Ashley Ridge, went to the Dell over the Citadel. Now he plays for the Yankees organization. I know him personally throughout the church, uh, the way he handled himself there, same way. This guy, Jalen Hurst, same exact thing. He would go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I know this for a fact. He would walk around as if he was just a regular Joe, or in this case, just a regular, of course, uh, Jalen. And uh, he would walk around and just be the normal guy at the barbershop. He'd be the normal guy at the grocery store. He just didn't get into the who I am, it's what I do, or none of that. He was just a regular guy. And to me, that's huge. He'd go to the church, the same church he went to. He went through all four years there at Alabama. He did the same thing. So congratulations for a successful season you just hate it 63 to 28 was not the way you thought he would end his career and he had no help man. he really had uh little help there because of running back issues who uh you know, there was just, there was a lot of things going on there
0: uh that just he didn't have anybody yeah and he he bore the weight of the the team on his shoulders for sure and i i that that just obviously was not enough uh, I think that we knew that going in is that you know what can what can Jalen Hurts do because this is not a this is not Alabama this is not a, a a team that can be able to hold off can be able to fend off an opponent like LSU on defense uh, and, and to be able to uh, keep from Joe Burrow that that animal being unleashed as you saw uh, I think most of us either just continue to watch this or just ended up turning the TV off uh, and waiting until eight o'clock for for the next game to to happen and uh i i i just i i know that jalen is uh Jalen is hurting right now and just the way that uh this is not the way that he wanted to go out but it 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 speaks to his heart and his character that that's that's who he is and you heard it again in the press conference that you know this is the experience i think is what is going to leave him uh just is going to leave with him i'm sorry and it's it, again I, i'm i'm at a loss for words because it's such an emotional um it was such an emotional interview such an emotional press conference and you just can't help but feel for the
1: guy
2: yeah let's see if we can pull it up real quick i think it's on uh if you go to their twitter page on sports center i know it's over there there's one place that you can check it out will uh i'd like you guys to hear it as well because he, here's a guy who you want to understand in life you're going to win you're going to lose that's just going to happen how do you handle yourself afterwards and uh, when you listen to this interview or, or when you listen to this press conference, I'll let you kind of form your own opinion there. But uh, uh, on the rest of the day, of course, it was a record day for Joe Burrow. This guy was hitting anything and everything possible. I mean, I have never seen passes being thrown in between not one, not two, but three or four defenders. I mean, and he was hitting them in brad baskets. Like he was just dropping the paper off. I mean, it wasn't a hard thing for him to do. His numbers, oh, by the way, very impressive on the night. 29 for 39, hundred and ninety three yards. Here's the record is uh, seven touchdowns. That to me alone was impressive. And I think he ran one in too. I I, I don't have that sitting right here in front he, of me. He did run. I he, thought he, he was, ran one in. I thought in the first half there. So, uh, you know, this guy just did whatever he wanted to do. And, and it kind of shocked me that the secondary was so easy for him to pick apart because of the conference that Oklahoma comes from is a big 12 conference. That big 12 conference is known for their sling it, bring it out high and fly uh, secondary that should expect to see what they saw, but they just couldn't stop him. They couldn't get, they couldn't catch this other guy because the defender that they were trying to slow down was Justin Jefferson. This guy broke a record by catching four touchdowns. I mean, they started just counting them off. Like, you know, it was just interesting, like almost like a paper rock scissors that uh, who's going to catch the ball next. What are they going to do next? Uh, even Chris Curry, who got involved into it with having 16 touches, 100, excuse me, 16 touches, 89 yards on the ground. But when you saw this thing bust loose, I mean, it was 21-7 to 7 at the half. And all of a sudden you turn around and they put 28 more points on the board and you're looking at a 49-14 game at halftime. That's a usually a, a, a final, if you will. That's usually uh, a, a game that, that's all wrapped up and everything's all said and done. It's over. Not even close. Not even close. And, and, and kudos to, I guess you would say, Coach O, who decided, okay, look, you know, I know they came out and scored real quick there, and everybody was like, "All right, what's fifty six 14 And then they, then, then of course Oklahoma scores to make it fifty six twenty one, and then the fourth quarter hit, and they only scored seven there. So they did pull off as much as they could, uh, you know, to to not score. Uh, I believe we do have it pulled up now, so uh, you know, I want to I want to listen to this if you can see if it can if it pulls up just right. But this is uh, Jalen Hurst here after the big loss, his final game as a college football athlete. Uh, check it out.
3: You talk about how much it means to you
1: and the team. It's supposed to hurt. And this, this is not a good feeling. You know, this is a feeling I've never felt before. It um, hurts me in my heart, you know, you know. When I decided to come to this school,
3: I told Coach Riley, I'm going to win you a national championship, and, and I failed to do that.
1: Um, and moving forward, I definitely hope you know, I, I've already told them. I hope that you guys learn from this. I hope
3: everybody learns from this. And it and it hurts. It hurts me the most because usually when you come up short in something, you can come back and you you can fix it. I can't come back and fix it.
1: I'll never play college football again.
2: Yeah, there you go, David Hurt They're talking about uh, how bad it hurts and and taking this on his own shoulders. Yeah, that's a true. That right there, what you just heard. Young athletes. That's what the, that's what a leader sounds like. That's that's what a man that that you want to be on your team. He said this is the last time he'll play this game. He mentions how much it hurts. Usually you can come back from something like this. Well, this is his last chance. He won't have another opportunity in Oklahoma, Jersey to come back and fix what was broken. How many times did we watch his team? Because again, they only had one loss coming into this thing. And you remember after that that one loss that they did have, which was was an upset. And it was kind of a last-minute deal. You see him working out, but you saw him working out when they won. And they would ask him the question, "Why are you in the weight room? What are you doing?" You just won a football game. It's "Because there was a mistakes that I made that I got to get better from, or it's not going to help me down the road. I can't live in this moment because this moment's already come and gone. I got to get ready for the next big moment that's going to happen." Yeah, Jalen Hurst again. Uh, you know, you, your heart goes out to a guy like that. Uh, I I wish like crazy. I wish like crazy he'd have one more shot at something. Uh, and then a lot of people go, well, what about Georgia? Should Georgia have been in this? Hell no, Georgia shouldn't be in this. Georgia was in that, in the same stadium, and was blown out too. They just, they had their chance. They didn't get it. They they played the same team in the same place, just a different time. Same outcome. I've seen a lot of it. So we look at that game, LSU, of course, uh, 63-28. They win. They move on. Deborah has a, a great, great showing there. His entire team, I thought, looked great, but he was the he-man. He was, of course, uh, he was every superhero he needed to be on that night, whatever he was feeling. Boy, he made everybody else around him uh, feel it, too. The other game that took place, boy, we got our money's worth out of this one. The popcorn sales were out of the roof as Clemson and Ohio State came in here. Now, this one a little bit closer and a lot more interesting. And I watched both games to the beginning to the end. Clemson wins this one, twenty nine, twenty three. 29-23. Now, they went down early in the first quarter, 10 nothing. come back, 14 points they put on the board, only six from Ohio State, but that's kind of the first half. We'll get into that real quick here. First half, Ohio State has nobody to blame but themselves, first of all, for losing this game. Ohio State was a better team, I thought, in this game. I thought that they were better prepared. I thought that the offensive calling from Ohio State outwitted the likes and the, the ability to keep... Brent Venerables on the other side on his toes on a regular basis, on his heels on a few bases. But when you're in the red zone, you can't come out with three points. They were like 0-3 in the red zone with scoring a touchdown. That's, I believe, 12 points they left on the field because they only got three. 12 points wins the ballgame. Right. That's how big it is. I get it that Clemson won. And congratulations, Clemson Tiger Nation. You deserve it. You're 14-0. and You're the if not the best team in the country right now, you're at least the second best team in the country. I don't care how you look at it. We'll figure that out in a couple of weeks with yeah. our And then there were the calls. Okay. I don't know how many steps you got to take. And everybody's like, well, you got to have possession. And you got, look, dude, the dude took like three steps. Okay. It's like traveling. It either is or it ain't. He either traveled or he didn't. You know, it, it is what it is. It's, it, it's real time. They have to do it quickly. I get it. Clemson fans are all going to tell me he didn't catch the ball. Ohio State fans are going to tell me he caught the ball. I'm going to tell you what. As a man who could care less who won this game, I just wanted a good game, and I got what I wanted out of it. That dude took like three steps, maybe four. In basketball, he would have been called for traveling. But because of the fact that it's real time, he was slung around. It's a football game. that he didn't catch it. Because I can promise you, Clemson fans, if the shoe was on the other foot, you would have told me the same thing. Ohio State, you would have told me the same thing Clemson's saying. So unfortunately, your credibility—if you're a Clemson fan—doesn't count. If you're an Ohio State fan, it doesn't count. It just, doesn't, it just because you're, you're going to be biased, and, and you can't help it. I've only had one gentleman come at us on our social media that is a Clemson fan that mentioned the targeting rule. Now, here's the thing: because he did put his shoulder, his head down, and again, it's hard to tackle in, in, in that rim because if, if this six-foot-six quarterback does not bend down. Does not turn into. He hits him in the shoulder. He, right he hits him right in the rib. He hits him right in the ribcage. He doesn't hit him in the head. The targeting call is not called. And 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 it is what it is. But because this quarterback, you know, went down the way he went down and, and leaned into it. That's why his shoulder got popped. That's that's why he laid there and he got hit. He got hit the way he got hit because he prepared for the pop, if you will. It is what it is. But because, and i give Clemson fans this. As I just give LSU fans your due, I'll give you had this had this guy not put his head down, this wouldn't be a conversation. They do need to revisit this. They need to fix this. This was not to protect per se the quarterback. It was more so to protect the wide receiver. That's a wide open sitting duck, if you will. Or in this, damn it, would have been a tiger or a Buckeye. But this this six foot six quarterback, the child that's built like a tight end, kind of like a Tim Tebow, a couple of years later, leaned into this thing, bent down into this thing. That, to me, is – that's a BS call, and I think that's awful. This is football. You know, if this guy comes and he's going to – look, he just broke off his defender. He's coming in like a freight train. You want him at the last minute to pull up on his head? So, who you – so, we're going to protect the quarterback, but risk the the defender a chance to break his neck.
3: Because that's what would have happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it, again a, a lot of talking points here uh i'm not going to come after this uh, as the clemson fan i'm not going to come after this with with such a strong biased opinion uh, i i want to make that first and foremost to you richie and to and to those that are listening because uh, i i think i've made it known that i am a clemson fan however i'm not going to let this cloud my my opinion is this because we here in in the sports realm and, and my myself included have to go after this with less of less of an opinion for the heart of one team with the allegiance of one team rather than another. That being said, the targeting call against it was uh, Sean Wade, the defensive back for Ohio state. Um, he sacked Trevor Lawrence uh, on a, on a third and five and uh, he hit him hard enough to keep him down on the turf for a few minutes. And then uh, initially no flag was thrown, um, but replay review spotted that helmet, the helmet contact. Now, I thought initially how why or why Trevor Lawrence was down was because Chase Young was uh seeping through the end on the other side and basically took Trevor Lawrence down uh started turned his body the opposite way than what he was going and I thought that that's why Trevor Lawrence was on the ground for so long I didn't look at the helmet from from Sean Wade making contact with Trevor Lawrence but I None, I mean, nonetheless, the the rule is there in place, and and it and it's a shoddy rule. Uh, we we can agree with that. And yes, I agree. It's more so to protect the wide receiver. But in in all honesty, what what is Trevor Lawrence supposed to do there? In, in an instance where he's he's he has forward motion, he's like he's he's starting to rush up the field, and then he sees Sean Wade coming. Well, like, what is he? What honestly, what is he really supposed to do now? If if Trevor Lawrence were to stand upright and Sean Wade make that same tackle and, and tackle him in in his midsection and take him down that way, there would be no targeting call. But because Trevor Lawrence, the six foot six monster, that he decides to duck down, brace himself for the hit, then then all of a sudden it's a targeting call because it is a it is a helmet to helmet hit now. Um, enough with that, because I, I really don't I, I really don't have a, a lot of say as far as or as far as my opinion, you know, what what could have been done? What should have been the call? I'm just I, I'm going along with the, the call was the call. The call was made that, that that's it to move forward. Now, the one that I think got a lot of people upset the most was um, the the fumble that. Uh, or the, the the completion to the fumble to the, the Ohio State recovery and touchdown that, that was called back. Um, so in the third quarter, Clemson was up 21-16, right? Uh, the Buckeyes, they, they appeared to score a touchdown after Clemson's receiver, Justin Ross, uh, was stripped of the ball by uh, Jeff Okuda, which uh, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State played an exceptional game. Uh, he was stripped by Okuda, and then Jordan Fuller recovered um, the fumble and returned it to the end zone. Touchdown Buckeyes. And then they um, and then the Buckeyes go up uh, like twenty three, twenty one. Possibly that got called back because it, it was overturned and they ruled that Ross, Justin Ross never completed the catch now. Referee Ken Williamson, he spoke to uh, a pool reporter after the game to explain those two crucial decisions, and I wanted to point out this one, Richie. Um, Williamson said, "We had quote, we had a lot of good looks on it. We put on fast motion and slow motion. The player did not complete the process of the catch, so therefore the pass was incomplete." So, I was curious. I wanted to look up. Okay. He said he did not complete the process of the catch. It's not that he didn't complete the catch; he didn't complete the process of the catch. So, out of curiosity, I wanted to look it up. NCAA Rule Two, Section Four, Article Three. It starts in par- Article Three is catch interception recovery. I want to start in Paragraph Eight. The catch a ball means that a player one secures control of a live ball in flight with his hands or arms before the ball touches the ground, and two touches the ground inbounds with any part of his body, and then three, maintains control of the ball long enough to enable him to perform an act common to the game, i.e., long enough to pitch or hand the ball, advance it, avoid or ward off an opponent, etc., and four, satisfies paragraphs B, C, and D below. Um, Paragraph B states if a player goes to the ground in act of catching a pass, he must maintain complete and continuous control, um, and so on and so forth. Paragraph C, if the player loses control of the ball while simultaneously touching the ground with any part of his body, or if there is doubt that the acts were simultaneous, it is not a catch, and so on and so forth. Paragraph D, if the ball touches the ground after the player secures control and continues to maintain control, and the elements above are satisfied, it is a catch. And then, um, and then you know, paragraph E is an interception. F is uh, a catch by any kneeling. Uh, paragraph G is a player recovers a ball if he fulfills the criteria. And then paragraph H. When in question, uh, like all of this, when in question, the catch recovery or interception is not completed. So, I, just out of curiosity, I went to the rule book to find this out, and 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 there and there's your answer, or or at, at least to me that that was a satisfying answer. It's I not, know I uh, know that it is it's a not le- satisfying. <laughs> it's like stats. Stats lie. Stats lie. You know who doesn't
2: lie is game film. It doesn't lie in some of that stuff, but we got to go to a break though. Cause we do have our, our buddy over there, Mr. <laughs> Walker hanging tight. And I don't want him to hang out with us and, and let's not go to break. I get what you did there. And I understand that. And I, and I, and, and, and hopefully the listeners can appreciate it. that's the rules. That's the process of buying a house. There's the loan process. But to me, it's just, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, and I'm glad to see instant replay for certain things. But a, a, again, it's like Nick Saban said, you want more. You got more you want this. You want more. And now look, Bang bang. This play look, make the play, hold yourself accountable for the play and move on. But we'll we'll get into that because again we could get into this for the rest of the time here. We got all week to dissect <laughs> this play and other plays that are gonna uh, be part of the conversation. But Will, I do appreciate it. that's great homework there and, and great work coming in here and, and breaking it down here because there are certain rules. But hey, look, I'm an SEC guy. Welcome to the rest of the country and SEC referees. That's just what we do here day Oh, is that AM. how that is? Yeah, yeah. There's not <laughs> enough time. All right. Go to break. Come back. We're coming up next. Uh, we're going to travel to Charlotte. That's right. Mr. Reginald Walker is going to come in here. He is the man who played, of course, his college days with the Nittany Lions. They picked up a big victory over the weekend. Let's get his professional opinion on uh, just the whole weekend that was college football. Coming up next right here on Southern Sports Central.
1: A little bigger drug on my highway. Got a little dude bootstomping my walk. Raise a cup of baby with me I was raised on the world Country, it's the only reason that I survive. Every breakup and every party It's the soundtrack to my life. It runs deep in my DNA. I was raised on, girl, raised on, girl. I got my heart. got it too.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Hillman, alongside Will Porter here, pushing the buttons, answering the phone, and uh, getting you set up for what's going to be another beautiful day here in the world of Somerville, South Carolina, where the studios here we're at, at the Gurn Pharmacy Studios in uh, Somerville, South Carolina. Without further ado, we head over to the hotlines now. I'm going to be joined by, uh, for the second time, hopefully of many times, we go back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we check in with Reginald Walker. He, of course, uh, played his college days over there with the Nittany Lions, who had a big win over the weekend. Uh, Then ends up getting into this biz, which, of course, is the sports radio world Over the radio and TV. Does it for the Charlotte 49ers and, of course, uh, the GWU football uh, as well over there. So he's got a lot going on, and uh, now he gets to add Southern Sports Central to the docket. So we'll add him in here now with us and say top of the morning, Reginald. Welcome back, my friend. What a uh, weekend it was for you watching uh, a great matchup on Saturday night. And, of course, you started off early watching your Penn State Nittany Lions pick up a big one, 53-39 over the Memphis Tigers, and, man, that was a great game and a huge win for you guys on a national point. It, it,
3: it was. It, it, it was a really fun game to watch. You, you, you saw a group of five team in Memphis come out of the American Conference. Uh, they're talented on offense, and I was watching it with a bunch of Penn State alums, and, and, and they were saying to me before the game, oh, well, this is easy, right? And I go, let me tell you something. That kid, Coxie, number 10, the receiver is a really good football player. They've got a a Pac-12, former Pac-12 quarterback that's a transfer there uh, in white at the quarterback position at Memphis. They've got some athletes. They're a little undersized on defense, and I thought Penn State was going to have to run the ball uh, to really win that game and take control, and they did in the second half, and that's what helped win the game. But I I thought that was a very well-played football game, two offenses that show that they have athletes and they're high-powered. Uh, And and Memphis just came up a little bit short, but I'm going to tell you something. That program is not going anywhere. They're going to continue to win in the American Athletic Conference.
2: Live right now with Reginald Walker here, of course, uh, one of the many now contributors here to Southern Sports Central. Again, played his days over there with Penn State, and uh, they think of a big win, 53 39, uh, you saw what Memphis was able to do. You talked about Cokesy there. He had eight receptions for 132 yards, excuse me, there. Uh, Their quarterback, actually, uh, the top quarterback out of the day, also 32 for 51, 454 yards. Two interceptions were kind of the the part that hurt him the most. But uh, you mentioned this program not going anywhere. The coach did go somewhere. He went to Florida State, took a few guys probably along with him as well. Uh, That's going to happen. Uh, but you start to kind of look at how this program has been set up even before this coach now that has left this program. And and now the foundation's poured. Everything's built. Now you got to get the walls and the roof and all that put together. Uh, Before we talk about Penn State, tell us about this quarterback, Brady White. Uh, How good is he? And and how impressed were you to watch him kind of – well, I wouldn't use the word impressed if you're a Nittany Lion fan, but as doing what you and I do, uh, to watch this young man really kind of charge down the field they had the lead coming out of the first half, I mean, out of the first quarter, but they gave up 28 points uh, in the second quarter, which was kind of the big breaking point uh, that kind of led this thing for a victory for the Lions.
3: Yeah, White, is, he, he he can make all the throws. Um, he reads it pretty well. I, I think for him, I, I, I've not been in love with the arm strength. He's got arm talent, but he doesn't have the strongest arm, and I think that's why... Um, He hasn't had some of the success that I think some people thought. But I think this is one of those kids that uh, when you look up, in you know, 9, 10, 11 years from now, you'll go, man, he's still on an NFL roster? He's still on a team? Yes. This is a guy that he's probably going to be more of a career backup um, with some spot starts in there in the NFL. But I think this is a guy that stays on NFL rosters for eight to ten plus years.
2: Now, let's look over at your Lions here, uh, Nittany Lions, that is, uh, with Penn State, what they were able to put together. They, they came out the gate a little slow there with only seven points. That was kind of, the, I believe that was the lowest point they produced out of a quarter because they actually had eight, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit there in the fourth quarter. But you start to put their 28 points. That's kind of when you start to see a coach like this, and you've had a chance, I'm sure, to meet this coach, talk to this coach, get to know him pretty well, who gets his team to buy in, to believe in what he believes in. And that's kind of, the storyline here with this guy comes from Vandyland. Not many coaches can win in Vandyland, but this guy does it. He brings it to Penn State, rebuilds the program, now has an 11-win season, 11-2 and two to be exact here. What a way to not only produce that, hey, look what we're doing in the Big Ten. Here's what we're doing around the country, but we are Penn State. This is what we do here. Amongst everybody else, your thoughts as an alumni, as a former football player for Penn State, and as a guy that does what we do. Uh, give me your breakdown of Penn State here in 2019 of a 11-2 and two season.
3: Uh, he's got the right energy. Uh, James' energy is uh, up there with anybody else you'll see in college football. Um, he believes in it. He's also a Pennsylvania native. He grew up uh, in the state, so I think that helps as well. And the reality is there are some people that don't love the job that James is doing. And, and the thing that I tell people is this. When you're at a place like Penn State, you have to do two things. you got to recruit well and you got to win. And some people have an issue with 11 wins as opposed to 13 or 14. And my response to that is, listen, we can all push and expect more, but we have to appreciate the good. And the good right now is getting 10-plus wins every year. Uh, the unfortunate factor right now is we're asking him, and I think this is difficult, uh, to consistently beat, and, and before this year, I'm going to use going into this season as, as the as the barometer. We're asking him to beat Jim Harbaugh, Mark D'Antonio, and at the time, Urban Meyer every year with some Narduzzi sprinkled in there in the non-conference. I, to me... And then, oh, by the way, this year they get Minnesota on the schedule, who has risen up great job by P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Uh, You get them on the schedule this year. But in general, I thought James Franklin has done a pretty good job. Now, with that being said, he's he's, he's not quite yet at 10 years. Once we get to that 10-year mark, I expect you to be in a national championship game or at least get to the playoff. Once we have that, I'm satisfied. Uh, And so from a fan base standpoint, I know people are fired up and they're like, hey, we need to play for national championships. But I remind them that even my coach, Joseph Paterno, he only has two national championships. So while we have to, you know, while people get fired up, you have to remember what your program has been and is. Uh, You know, I listen to some folks uh, locally here in Charlotte and in the general area. You know, they're talking about Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. And my response to them is, hold on a second. Frank Beamer played. He coached in one national championship. It's not like Virginia Tech has all these banners hanging for national championships. They don't. Uh, Same goes for Michigan fans complaining about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Listen, besides the Charles Woodson year in 1997 where they won the Rose Bowl, Michigan hasn't won a national championship since 1948. So Michigan fans, calm down. Penn State fans, I tell them the same thing. Calm down. We're asking James to win a national title in five years, and and Coach Paterno was there for 40-plus years, and he didn't win a national championship every year. That's unrealistic.
2: I think it's well played, and and, and I'm going to tell you what, on the high school level, you can even put it down. A lot of it comes into luck, number one. Number two, a lot of it comes into just the right time, the right moment. And everything's got to be put together at just almost a perfect scenario. Down in Somerville, down here in Charleston, where we are home of the most winningest coach in America, which is uh, Coach John McKissick passed away on Thanksgiving Day. 621 wins. That's the most. That's a record. It's in the stat book. Uh, ten state championships. They're not easy to get. Championships is just not something you wake up in the morning, you go grab. You know, And it isn't what it used to be with the Bear. When the Bear was down there in Alabama doing it You know, so many times, facilities – have upgraded schools have gotten better the chances of of, of recruiting is a lot harder now than it used to be used to be you could go in and you could cherry pick who you want because you were alabama you were southern cal you were texas you were penn state you were all these other programs that you just mentioned as well michigan but now guess what here comes a team out of unc charlotte that says guess you you know you can go stand over there for three years and watch everybody play or you come over here you can start here today and, by the way, they're, they're drafting kids out of here just like they are anywhere else, and you can make a highlight reel while you're here Rather then watch somebody else's on the sideline. Uh, you know, your, your thoughts now on how that's kind of transpired as well, and, and those are great points there because, again, you know, Virginia Tech, they don't have a lot of banners, but, boy, you would think, by the way, their fan base is and a few other fan bases around the country, that they've got nothing but national titles everywhere, and it's Title Town Part 2, 3, and 4 uh, around the country.
3: No, you hit the nail on the head. I mean,
1: at the end of the day,
3: you have to understand what your program is, what your history is. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't be a fan. I just think you have to be realistic. Um, And and as you know, we deal with it in this business, right? People call into our shows, and they're screaming, and they want to fire everybody. This, that, and the third. And, And the reality is winning is hard. It is very difficult to win a national championship, it's very difficult to win a state championship at the high school level. It is very difficult to win a Super Bowl, which is why you look at a guy like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and you go, man, what they've done is special. Absolutely it's special. You don't have to like it, but it's special. They've won, I think Tom's got six Super Bowl rings uh, or or five. He's been to six, I think, and, and, and they just continue to find a way to get to those games and you look at that, that system and, and, and what they're doing in, in that organization, and you have to applaud it. Uh, you turn around, you look at a place like Alabama and college football and, and, and everything that, that Nick Saban has done, and you applaud it. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you go to the high school level, whether it's in South Carolina or any other state, and, and I'll say it, I'll be the guy that says it. Um, you know, you look at a public school coach that has multiple state championships, And you have to tip your cap because it is very difficult to win at a public school. Private schools may be a little bit different depending on, you know, how players kind of show up, right? How they get there. Uh, But at the public school level, at the high school level, if you've got multiple state championships, you're doing a great job because you don't know who's going to show up every year. You just have to deal with a cluster of kids and find a way to win with that group and their talent. You can't make anything up. So, Winning is difficult. Winning is hard. And, and I think sometimes we look at coaches, particularly at the college level and, and in some ways NFL level, and the expectations are unrealistic. I, you know, I, I look at the situation in, with the Cleveland Browns. Fred Kitchens is fired. Um, and, and the weird thing to me about that is I, I tell people quickly, and I, I was talking to some uh, some NFL coaches last night, and one of the things I said to them is I said, well, what made them think Freddie Kitchens was the answer? The guy was the quarterback's coach, and then they elevate him the head coach because they think, well, the relationship with Baker Mayfield, we can't let him go, but he's not ready to run the entire organization. Same thing happened with Dirk Cutter in Tampa. When they ran Lovely Smith off, they were worried about losing Dirk Cutter uh, to mentor Jameis Winston. Well, guess what? Jameis Winston just set an NFL record for pick sixes in a season with guess who? A new coach, it doesn't work all the time. Some guys are good position coaches and coordinators. Not everybody's ready to be a head coach at that
2: time. Right now, Reginald Walker here, of course, uh, does multiple things here uh, around the world of sports here for us. He checks in with us, and we talk everything with the world of college football. We dabble a little in the NFL with him as well. He is a former Nittany Lion over there, played for Penn State for Joe Pa. And it doesn't get much better than that. A lot of respect there given to him. Automatically, of course, Uh, currently he's with the Charlotte 49ers, of course, uh, with GWU's football program as well. as a radio analyst, has a show himself, does a lot of things around around that Charlotte area, if you will. Uh, Now, I agree with you. And here's the other part of that, man, is that, to be honest with you, not all great coordinators are great head coaches. Just like not all former players are great coaches, not all former great coaches were great players. And, uh, look, if you've got to take and promote your coach to save your quarterback so you're meaning to tell me you're going to put all your apples into one basket for one guy. What's the purpose of having a 64, 78 man roster. If you're only focused on that one guy, it's the other cats on the other side of the corner that they're going to walk away from you. Cause without an offensive line, you got the best quarterback in the world, but brother, he can't stand in the pocket and throw it. He doesn't believe that his guys can block for him. You know, that's why he takes them out to eat on Friday nights and Saturdays and so on and so forth. But, uh, You know, I agree with you. I think those are all great topics here. Uh, Before I get you out of here, I do want to talk about these two other games that happened in the semifinals. First one, man, talking about an offensive line that just – they blocked everybody. I mean, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, he had time to do a lot of things but didn't need a lot of time because he would dive in between. I mean, I'd like to have him on my dart team if I played darts on the weekends because this kid was throwing darts all over the field. And it almost became comical. But yet, sad in the same frame. I want to get your thoughts on Joe Burrow and, of course, uh, that blowout 63-28 final there and the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl. And then you being a, you know, a former college football player, you doing what we do here day in and day out. We've had a chance, and, of course, my days of, of and playing as well with, with everything being said. You, you you start to kind of put it in perspective. You see a quarterback leave Alabama, come to Oklahoma. They, I guess the bittersweet is that Alabama wasn't even in it. You know, so he can at least be a little bit better about himself getting Oklahoma in it and to it. But then you heard that interview with him on Saturday night, man. It almost was it was almost one of the saddest moments that I've had in a few years listening to a guy, you know, you've heard the Tim Tebows, you've heard all these guys make these these powerful speeches, but this guy, it wasn't a speech, it was more of a kind of a farewell tour part, you know, ending conclusion for him and college football.
3: Yeah, Joe Burrow, I mean, that that was that was like watching a video game. That that was like playing the old you know, college football, uh, NCAA football, two thousand three, right? Like he was just out there hanging out in the in the back in the, in the pocket. Uh, and as I watched that game, I started to think to myself, I'm like, I wonder what he would have time to cook standing back there in the pocket. I mean, he had all kinds of time. That offensive line uh, has done a great job, and and it's a fairly young offensive line. I mean, they've got some veterans there, but. Uh, Austin Deculus uh, playing the tackle position. I remember when he came in as a freshman. I was down there at LSU um, that year when Coach O took over for signing day uh, on an assignment uh, for for work at the time, and uh, Austin Deculus had a chance to talk to him about what he wanted to become. A kid out of Texas uh, that made his way to to LSU, and he said, "Look." Uh, I, I want other offensive linemen in here that are about winning national championships, that are about keeping our coach, uh, I'm sorry, our quarterback uh, completely clean in the pocket. And they have been that throughout this season. And you look at Joe Burrow and what he's been able to do along with Joe Brady and Steve M- uh, who, who lost his, his daughter-in-law. Uh, actually, earlier in the day on Saturday, uh, she was on a private plane on the way to Atlanta to take in, uh, the Peach Bowl and, and and they got an accident there, but you, you you know you look at what Emsminger was able to do alongside Joe Brady with Joe Burrow and that offense, and, and it was just it was incredible to watch, and you felt for Oklahoma they just didn't have the answers. And one of the things I've said and I will continue to say about college football and even in the NFL right now is, can you match up with the third and fourth receivers? Because what's happening now. And a place like LSU, that's the case. They've got Chase and they've got uh, Jefferson and they've got all these weapons, but the third and fourth receivers, no one is able to match up with threes and fours at the receiver spot. And we saw that Oklahoma uh, had some issues trying to match up uh, with some of the the other receivers that people don't talk as much about. Thaddeus Moss was able to have uh, a, a good game and make some plays as well. Um, he almost 100 yards receiving Caught a touchdown as well uh, I mentioned Jefferson I mentioned Chase But listen to this Terrence Marshall had 80 yards and two touchdowns That's not that's not Justin Jefferson That's not Jamar Chase Derek Dillon had a couple of catches uh, And so when you start to look at this thing Yeah, Justin Jefferson had 14 receptions But Terrence Marshall He's the third receiver on this football team Six catches, two touchdowns Thaddeus Moss, he's the tight end, four catches and a touchdown. You do the math, ten ten receptions and three touchdowns from the third receiver and the tight end. That's where you have problems in college football. Anybody can have three or four receivers. Most people don't have three or four cover guys, and that's the difference. And then you look at Oklahoma as a whole, and you know and realize and understand they come out of the Big 12. The defenses are not great. So you add the fact that they're devoid somewhat defensively. They had some injuries and suspensions taking guys away from the defense that's not great. And then you look at LSU, and they've got multiple weapons in Chase and, and, and Marshall and Moss and Jefferson and Dillon and Edwards-Elair, and you start to go, this is just a mismatch. I saw it coming. And then it, it played itself out in that football game where where when you look at the LSU Tigers, they had 49 points at halftime.
2: Live right now with Reginald Walker here, of course, uh, does multiple things here for us on the uh, broadcast team here. But one thing that I will say, if he, he is well knowledge and, and prepared. Why? Because he plays for the Nathan Lions, and he's able to give us a different aspect. He's a college athlete, played the game, played in Power 5, played for the Big Ten, played for Joe Pye. Doesn't get any better. I mean, the, the resume is very impressive right off the rip. Of course, now – for some reason, he wanted to jump in the booth with us here and uh, across the, uh, the, the the likes of Charlotte, the 49ers, and uh, Gardner Webb over there with their football programs, and and bring you uh, a, a great five star program every time the mic lights on. He does a phenomenal job, and he's doing it here uh, with us now as we'll look at the next game: Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, all right, you're you're a former player. You get it. You understand it. There were two calls that were made. I want to I want to hear from the college athlete side of you now. Uh, catch, no catch, right call not right call, and then on the other side, uh, the hit to the head. Again, uh, I'm not going to give you any words here. I want you to kind of break it down from a former player and uh, your thoughts uh, when both of these two plays happened that, of course, you heard the head coach over at Ohio State mentioned uh, it changed the game and he wasn't very happy.
3: The targeting call did change the game. It it gave Clemson momentum. It, it, It revived a drive that I thought if Clemson didn't score on that drive, they were in major trouble, and that game was probably going to be over. Uh, but it was the right call. It was the right application. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, you can't drop your head like that, and 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 he knows uh, where, understands what he did. He knows He knows the rule, and, and and listen, and I think Ryan Day, even when he goes back and looks at the film, which at this point, I assume he's done now, will understand that that was targeting. That was the definition of targeting, Uh, I thought the officiating crew and the replay group uh, managed that particular particular play about as well as they could. Now the review on the reception, which was initially called a reception and then a fumble and return for touchdown. I think they got the call, right? When I was watching the play live, the first thing out of my mouth was he never put the football away. And so while you can talk about football move, not football move, catch, no catch, to me, the main application with a reception is, did they complete the catch by putting the football away? Now, again, the rule can say whatever it wants to say. When I watch it, that's the first thing I I wonder. Was the guy able to? Was the player able to? Did the player put the football away? And I didn't think he ever was able to put the football away which, mean, which meant to me he didn't have possession. So it can't be a fumble if you don't have possession. Now, it's a close call. I've talked to some Clemson fans that have said if the shoe were on the other foot, they'd be pissed off, excuse my language, just like the, the uh, Ohio State fans and coaching staff is. That's fine. I get that. That's a tough, close call. And if you're the team that it goes for, you're excited. If you're the team, or I'm sorry, if you're the yeah, if you're the team that it goes for, you're excited. If you're the team that it goes against, you're not happy. But the reality is that it, when the call is that close and it just depends on what team you're rooting for, that probably means they applied the rules properly.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you 100% there. And, again, I didn't get as much into it in the earlier part of the show because I, w- I knew you were coming on board being a – a guy who's played the game, who's seen the game, and now does what we do here uh, any given day of the week uh, as we we dive into it. But I wanted to hear your side of things as well. And, and I agree with you. It's a bang-bang play, number one. Number two, uh, you know, the rules are what they are. You know, I hate to see that they called the, the targeting rule, but he's got to lift his head up. But then there's a safety thing for me uh, on some of that aspect. When you're coming up to pull up at the last minute, you know, the chances of, you know, we're trying to save one player, but then the other player gets injured. Yeah, this is the part of it being a contact sport to me that makes it very tough for them to put so many rules in place and protect so many people at the same time. That that's a tough call, but uh, nevertheless, man, as always, Reginald, we we greatly appreciate not only what you have added to our show here, but what you do with the 49ers. Uh, and, and on behalf of, I can tell you from Somerville, uh, the the uh, the alumni over there, and of course uh, the coaching staff over at Somerville, uh, you covering and carrying uh, Gardner Webb, the way that you have, of course, uh, you know, you've got one of the running backs over there, uh, Mr. D.J. Hancock, uh, whose dad's listening in as well, uh, to the show, uh, you know, just thank you for all that you do, the hours that you give up. People think we just go in a box or we come into a, a, a studio, we hit the little green button and we just start talking, but there's a lot of preparation. Uh, there's a lot of watching, a lot of, uh, I watch as much film sometimes when I'm calling a, a game on Friday night or Saturday that, uh, The the, the coaches are watching. You know, I want to know who we're going against. I want to get to know the players. I end up going through and and reaching out to schools and talking to to the staff there to get to understand them because it's a personal connection, whether it be the team that you cover or the team that you cover is playing. Uh, So I appreciate the hours that you take away from your family. And now you added us to the docket. Boy, hopefully uh, they're not holding us against us. But we do want to have you back in here maybe on Friday. Uh, Why there's so much football to talk. Uh, we can do this maybe a couple times a week, and then as the uh, as it starts to slow down, maybe do like a, a series with you, starting once a week, and we'll find some topics that you and I can sit down and kind of talk a little bit about as well.
3: Absolutely, I look I look forward to that opportunity, and uh, you know, anytime you know, for me, I, I just love the game of football. I, I love the sport, um, particularly. Uh, the high school and collegiate levels. I just think that the the high school game is is such a great game and it's such a way to galvanize young people and and have some school spirit and pride. And then you, you take that to the next level at the collegiate uh, level as well. And and, and just watch kids uh, really enjoy playing for the school uh, and playing for the name on the front of the jersey, uh, not always the name on the back. And you add those two things up and you get a quality product and, as I've said, you know, I, I think the talent here in Char- in the Charlotte area in particular and throughout North Carolina is really good and, and I'll tell you what, right down there in South Carolina, whether it's uh Somerville and Charleston in that area, uh to the to the to the upstate area where where Greenville and and Spartanburg are or whether whether you're talking about in the Richlands area, in Columbia, there's quality football, uh quality high school football in the state of South Carolina and I just think you know we're we're fortunate um, to be in the two in two states, the Carolinas that have such high quality football at the high school level and, and college programs that are doing nothing but winning throughout the states.
2: No doubt about it. And I tell you what on Friday we were very fortunate. We got in here with Mallard Creeks, very own offensive coordinator, quarterback coach over there, uh, coach Robert Helms, who actually played and grew up here in Somerville prior to the interview. I had no idea they had a connection to Somerville. I mean, that's how how small our world is in the world of sports. Uh, So that was kind of a very neat conversation with he and I. Of course, Mallard Creek, they played for a state championship, went undefeated until the final game and dropped that one in the championship. Uh, And then, of course, uh, we've connected ties over there with Olympic High School, another high school outside of Charlotte. So we're not only getting a couple of high schools, now we get you. And, of course, you're connected uh, to the Charlotte 49ers, to Gardner-Webb. So we feel like we're doing something right, man. God keeps blessing us with guys like you and, and a few other coaches along the way, man. But first of all, thanks for the nice words you mentioned uh, on social media about us and of course what you said going off the air last week, but uh, we really appreciate all that you do on and off the airs and uh, bringing your uh, talents here to Southern sports central, man. We uh, look forward to catching with you on Friday. We'll we'll kind of recap some of the bowl games that are going to happen here coming up uh, in the next couple of days. And uh, we'll look ahead as well.
3: Uh, sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. And, and just to give you another connection, how about this? Uh, and this is an infamous time for the folks out in the Somerville Charleston area. Uh, but I was in Charleston in I was in Goose Creek back wow. when Hurricane Hugo made its way on land uh, back in 1989. You're talking about 20 years ago. So how about that? Wow. Another connection uh, <laughs> to that area and, and fond memories, you know, and, and, and I tell oh, yeah. people all the time that it's a great area down there. And it's some really good people and some really good. Oh, man. How good is the food? in that Charleston area. There are some folks down there that can flat-out cook. And anytime yes, you want to get some good, find your way down there to the coast of, of South Carolina, and I think you're going to be set up pretty good.
4: I
2: agree with you, man. And I, I tell you, I, and, and I'm maybe you jump on this wagon with us, but we're trying to get that bowl game out of the Bahamas. Hey, look, that's a great place to take a vacation. But Charleston's a great place to come and play college football, eat some good food, have some good memories. And uh, we can set that thing up there in either Berkeley or Dorchester counties or rolling into Charleston. Uh, we just got a brand new plant that just came through. Volvo's up there. He they can they can put the signature stamp on it. And uh, I, I mean, to me, how big would it be to have an SEC, ACC matchup in a bowl game or whoever's goes down? I mean, your 49ers were there. I get it. Uh, they could come to Charleston. It'd be a cheaper trip for them. They'd have a lot of uh, great memories. They just wouldn't have the pretty water. But you know, we make that happen too. These days and age, we can build almost anything, man. But uh, God bless you. Take care. Enjoy it. And how cool is that? Goose Creek. That's a it's a small stepping stone here from the studio.
3: There it is, Goose Creek. I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for having me and uh look forward to being on uh, uh next time and, and and uh talking some football very soon and, and and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. We are.
2: There you go, buddy. There you go. We are Penn State. (laughs) Penn State wins big, by the way. Uh, We win big by getting this uh, gentleman in here with me now, Reginald Walker, of course. uh, He covers the Charlotte 49ers. Gardner Webb played at Penn State, but we got to take a break. Why is that? We're going to the ATL. We're taking the bus ride over to Atlanta, Georgia, where that game was played between Oklahoma and LSU. Who was in the house? Ben Moore. Yeah, you were in the house. We're coming to you next right here on Southern Sports Central.
3: My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the tent farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm.
0: I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
3: I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed, call the farm.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour one is done. Went a little long, but it's cool. We do what we do here is uh, we control the buttons and the guidelines and the rules. But to me, uh, a little bit of overtime, never a bad thing here. When you get some free uh, football, you get some free, of course, interview there. And Reginald Walker, of course, uh, the uh, the voice of the Charlotte 49ers, uh, Gardner Webb, the Bulldogs, as uh, we've got, of course, uh, if you're a Somerville guy, I get a chance to cover them, uh, be the voice of the Green Wave on Friday nights, uh, DJ Hancock. He's the guy that you heard couple nights ago about a a running back when he falls he falls forward well that was uh of course uh, dj hancock he was that guy he was elusive he was a guy that would look to the left run to the right he would get around the side and he would go down the sideline it became a track meet immediately he's the last 1000 rusher at somerville high school as well up to date here uh in the seasons but he of course is doing big things at gardner webb the charlotte 49ers are doing big things they got their first ever bowl opportunity Uh, didn't go the way they thought it'd go. They did get to go to the Bahamas, so I guess if you're going to lose a bowl game, might as well be in the Bahamas. You saw, of course, the likes of Buffalo, and uh, it was just a little bit too much for uh, the boys at the 49ers. Now we head to ATL where the Atlanta time zone is where we hit there, and Ben Moore, 24-7 sports. He covers Georgia State. We'll get into that a little bit here with him as well, and uh, we'll also talk to him about some other things. Now, Georgia State actually uh, is going to play on Tuesday. That game is going to kick off Sometime around 4.30, uh, that game is going to be in Arizona. Boy, I tell you what, Arizona's got some beautiful backdrops. I've seen a lot of their coaches taking pictures there, and uh, it is going to be a uh, 4.30 game, 61 degrees and uh, partly sunny over there. There, Of course, uh, we'll talk about that before we get them out of here. But without further ado, uh, Ben Moore, who was at the game on Saturday. Boy, I tell you, hated to see Jalen Hurst go down the way he did there, buddy. But, uh, man, LSU just way too much for, I think, anybody in the country at this point.
5: Yeah, just uh like you know Joe Burrow looked like a and Justin Jefferson specifically in the first half looked like a look men among boys uh those two guys put on just an unbelievable show uh on Saturday afternoon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta and uh just uh watching the the precision of that offense and uh how strong they were certainly in the passing game uh you know were able to run the ball, you know when, when they needed to, but uh just just no stopping Justin Burrow and that LSU offense. They certainly look like a dominant force and uh, hanging 63 points. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks uh, went to social media during the game and after the game talking about, you know, hey, the Big 12 doesn't play any defense. Just to give you an idea, Oklahoma walked into that building 29th in the nation in total defense. Uh, they, they, This isn't a Texas Tech team or this isn't, you know, somebody in Iowa State basically that, that may give up a lot of points uh, but score a lot of points potentially too. Uh, Oklahoma had a pretty impressive defense and certainly were without, as we talked about last week, several of their starters. Um, they have uh, you know, one of their starters ejected uh, in the first half there for targeting. Just a really dumb move there, uh, you know, knocking out Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Uh, basically, he didn't see the action again, but uh, Joe Burrow was as impressive as, as any quarterback that I've ever seen live. Uh, truly amazing uh, first half, just putting up ridiculous numbers. We're sitting there watching and and uh, watch getting the stats down, and there's Touchdown number four and number five and number six. And then totally you know eight eight touchdowns total on the day, seven passing, one rushing. uh, Just a spectacular effort for Joe Burrow.
2: Live right now, Ben Moore, 24-7 Sports, covers it all here for us on Southern Sports Central uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, where he came at us uh, live on the field there. He was out and about, all in the stands, you name it. He was there, of course, watching uh, what would probably be a, a video game like, as our last guest just said, uh Reginald Walker mentioned it was kind of like hitting the X and the O button and, and, and getting the double click there because this guy was throwing darts everywhere you could imagine. And it was almost comical at some point. You knew when it was in the air, it was almost kind of, okay, well, there's another one. There's another one. Uh, even, even to the fact that you felt like he threw a few touchdowns just yesterday and they weren't even playing yesterday. That's how good this guy was. Uh, is he better? Do you think he's better coming out of that game on Saturday night than a lot of people thought he was? I think everybody was kind of buying into them, to the Joe Burrow – campaign after his Heisman, but did they think? I mean, I didn't think he was good as he showed me yesterday. He showed me a whole different side of him. They just came out of his shoes uh, after the end of that game was all said and done.
5: Yeah, just an unreal performance, and I think the game plan certainly with uh, you know w- with the offensive staff for LSU was, was very impressive to get out and be aggressive early. And you know Oklahoma did answer very, you know early uh, to cut the lead down to 14 to seven. You thought, okay, well maybe maybe this is just going to be the track that we all anticipate. But uh, you know the LSU credit to them too; their defense uh, stood up really, really made Jalen Hurts uncomfortable from the first three and out. Uh, you know, of the game and just continuing to frustrate him with varying looks, pressure up the middle, pressure from the sides, uh, really couldn't get a whole lot going in the rushing game. And that was the biggest thing, too, as much as Jalen Hurts has been in a pro-style offense, uh, you know, he needs to run the ball. And Oklahoma really needed to run the ball to set up the pass, and that just did not happen. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a great matchup, certainly in a couple of weeks between LSU and Clemson. But uh, this offense... They're, they're clicking at, at, you know, you can go back to the SEC championship game when they placed, uh, you know, faced Georgia. Georgia one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they sliced and diced them, you know, put up 37 points. And really, were, were kind of muddying, you know, through the first uh, little bit of that game. You know, you felt like you probably missed a couple opportunities. And uh, you just, just felt like, okay, well, if, if Oklahoma was going to stay in this game, they're going to have to put up 35, 40 points. And uh, that just wasn't the case on Saturday afternoon.
2: Live now, Ben Moore, uh, 24/7 Sports, talking about the big game. Of course, in Atlanta was Oklahoma getting bounced out by LSU, 63-28. Good segue there, man. Clemson, of course, uh, finds a way. They they win it there, 29-23. Uh, Will Porter actually uh, produces the show. Brought up a pretty good stat. It was back in 1978 that uh, that Ohio State actually actually beat, uh, no, actually lost, excuse me, to Clemson by an interception
0: on the same day. Uh, that you saw this past weekend, and that, uh, that is technically, if you count it, that the game went into the next day. Right. Like for us on the Eastern Time Zone, not necessarily for them sure. over there in Arizona, but still, it was like 12, 12:15 12, whenever that interception, and then everybody started going crazy. And and that and that was a little interesting stat that I found, and uh, kind of wanted to. I put it out there on Twitter, I do think, yeah. but um, also putting it out there on the airwaves too. So yeah, 40, 41 years ago. That it, uh, on, to the day that uh, that it was an interception that ended uh, Ohio State's game in the Gator Bowl, and it also ended Ohio yeah. State's uh, game in the Fiesta Bowl uh, here in 2019. Yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> a big deal. Now,
2: Ben, let me ask you this, though. At the end
0: of the day, man,
2: this is an Ohio State team who, who really kind of shot themselves in the foot there. They're in the red zone, uh, you know, three, four different times. They left at least 12 points on the field. That's a win. They get those 12 points. Uh, they beat Clemson here uh, in this game, but – uh, can this same Clemson team, who who ends up finding a way to win the game, you know you can. And again, I tell Ohio State fans, I've had conversations with them all day yesterday. Boy, I felt like I should be like a Dr. Phil to some degree, and I kept telling, look, you can call me out for two plays here, but what about the missed opportunities, play after play after play after play that you guys left it on the field? I mean, you, if you just score, there's two penalties don't even matter anymore, right? So your thoughts, number one, to that, and then of course I want to hear does that same Clemson defense can, if they play the way that they did against Ohio State, that that doesn't go as well with with a, with a team like LSU. Your thoughts on uh, kind of a, I guess, an early conversation between the two teams that are going to match up in Louisiana here in a couple of weeks?
5: Yeah, I, I agree. Ohio State certainly had an opportunity to run away and hide in that game, You're getting up uh, you know multiple scores there, but just kicking field goals, and so that that was that was the biggest thing. You know, when you when you leave that sliver of hope uh within the Clemson program certainly we've seen it for several years in a row now uh Trevor Lawrence is just a special quarterback and, and and he leads this offense and uh you know credit to the the offensive staff of Clemson as well they were continuing to run the ball with Travis Etienne uh continuing to stay patient not really changing the game plan from, from what I could tell uh too drastically even being down you know basically uh more than two scores uh, there early continuing to stick with it. Uh, Trevor was not tremendously sharp to start the game, and then you know, of course, again T Higgins with the big injury uh, there on the free play, and I thought that was a that was a pivotal moment certainly in the first half uh, to to lose a big wide receiver. Uh, right there so early on, on what an, it turned out to be an offside play and, and a play that really didn't even count. Uh, he, he goes out injured. Um, J.K. Dobbins certainly had a spectacular start to the game as well. He gets a little bit banged up, and uh, you guys were talking about hanging their own hole. Football is a collision sport, a violent sport. Injuries happen in the game. Um, you, you just kind of have to go out with what you have, and um, you know credit to Trevor Lawrence, and, and, and again, sticking in there. Um, and and Again, you see Justin Fields making a mistake there on the you know on his final opportunity, and folks uh, just have to remember this is his first year starting in college football. So um, you know, a enormous stage for him. Uh, certainly, would imagine that he'll take some lessons learned and and uh, have an opportunity to grow from this as well as as his career as an Ohio State Buckeye continues. But uh, just a, the magician that is uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then on the other side in a couple of weeks, Joe Burrow just uh, could, could not ask for a better. Quarterback matchup and, and every single storyline you could possibly want from the uh, the, the dynasty uh, uh, to to the new new school and uh, and just so many storylines and, and and things to follow here uh, as as the build up for the college football playoff final uh, culminates.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And then the storyline between these two quarterbacks that grew up just miles away from one another in the state of Georgia, right there where you guys are at. Uh, man, you guys produce a lot of quarterbacks, by the way, out of your school. Uh, of course, Connor Shaw. Uh, for the Gamecock fans, uh, they know him pretty well. He's another Georgia guy. But uh, it just seems like it's kind of a key uh, quarterback you, state, if you will, there. Uh, but you're right. And to me, I, you know, I don't know if I want to throw it on, on Justin Fields as much as I do the route runner, or you throw it prematurely, you're throwing it to a spot. I mean, there were so many things, there were so many angles at this game that, that really, quite frankly, you know, I, I was hoping that it was going to be a lot better than the first game that I watched in the semifinals. And I stayed up watching football from, uh, we did a show Saturday morning all the way up until uh, easily one one thirty in the morning on 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 Sunday. You know that was up forever. It felt like, but it was great. I I complained uh, because uh, the other side of this is that there are no football, and we'll talk about that back uh, coming up in February,
0: and March. Where we wish we had a three o'clock game. I mean, you have the XFL to think about too. Yeah, I don't but know. that that's not NFL. That's <laughs> not that's not NCAA college football that we're used to. This is going to be an inaugural season or or the the comeback season of the xfl if you will but yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see how that experiment goes yeah it's you, still it's still football to some degree yeah but it's about. not yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> so so we, we get it we're getting that we'll have you in here for that too there ben not to give me, me you and will and everybody out there a chance to talk football but unless it says he hate me on the back of his jersey or some of those cool Man. names that he used to have uh, back <laughs> in the day but uh look at the um Look at the another game that happened before I get you out of here. Uh, I wanted to save this one for you. Notre Dame comes in; they finished eleven and two. Not a bad finish uh, for, for for the Irish over there. Of course, uh, they beat Iowa State. Uh, that's a big win for them, even though Iowa State seven and six. But for Notre Dame to finish, they haven't been a team known for finishing in many many years. Uh, the only time I believe anybody here lately can remember a big finish was Rudy uh, doing what he did over there on that movie, of course. Uh, but uh, all kidding aside, they they did finish big. They should finish inside the top 10 now with an 11-2 finish in the season. Uh, but it was the quarterback play, 20-28, for 28, 247 yards, a touchdown by Ian Book there. He, of course, uh, found his receiver, Chase uh, Claypool, for 146 yards in the air, seven receptions, a touchdown, and even had some help there by Jones. his running back, 11 carries, 135 yards, and one touchdown. But it was a quick start. It was 10-10-10 all three quarters, and then finally three to finally finish it off But the defense, to me, I thought was the big storyline in this game as Notre Dame really shut them out in the first and in the fourth and only gave up uh, field goals. It looked like uh, the rest of the way.
5: Yeah, Notre Dame looked like one of the best uh, best teams in the country, and I think that I agree with you. I think they, they definitely will be in the top ten uh, once the final polls come out, and certainly a, a springboard uh, for Brian Kelly, something that, I, that I'm interested in in watching. Um, it's just, again, how the progression from year to year. Uh, it seems like uh, whoever's at quarterback for Notre Dame from one year to the next, uh, Brian Kelly seems to sour on uh, the last few years, last five or six years. He's had multiple starting quarterbacks, it seems like every single year, um, you know, all the way going back to Everett Golston. Hey, he was the babe, the boy, and then, hey, toward the end of his career, move him along. And, uh, and, and not see him and eventually land uh, as a backup down there in Florida State. So um, i interested to see what the, the Irish bring. We got just a total beat down uh, of Iowa State. And Iowa State, after a, a big-time 2018 um, finishing the year uh, in, in the top 25, really struggled this season. And you're going to see that truly uh, in with programs that are at the Power 5 level that don't have you, know, you can't stack the the top ten, top fifteen recruiting classes on top of each other like some of the the, the super high uh, power five programs can do I, iowa state uh, they're going to have to go out and out recruit some of the mid-major some of the power g5 schools uh, i was not a super fruitful state either uh for recruits uh, but but having an opportunity to go to show that tape hey look we've been in a bowl game again uh, quite honestly iowa state football had not been relevant in several years going to going to multiple bowl games in a row uh, that that means a lot uh they their rival Iowa certainly is, uh, you know, has has seen some sustained success. Uh, the Hawkeyes have not, uh, but Matt Campbell and that coaching staff uh, are are uh, have gotten a coaching extension. They will be there um, in Hawkeye land and Iowa City there. So it's going to be uh, going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop and, and try to carve out that niche and really take aim at the top of the Big 12. That's the, the next step for them. Go out there and try to uh, try to establish uh, a name in you know within the Oklahoma Texas. Uh, Baylor, you know, you have so many good teams at the top of the Big 12 trying to be that next uh, spot and slot for for Iowa State be, uh, to be doing. But uh, as we always know, too, the national media loves Notre Dame, and uh, we'll be interested to see uh, what they rank them, not only at postseason, but, you know, uh, August will be here before you know it. There will be talk about preseason and, hey, can this be the year that Notre Dame gets back in the college football mix um, after, uh, you know, certainly a couple of years off.
2: Live right now Ben Moore. before we get you out here Ben of course uh, we if you have time this week man I don't know how much time you have to give us we could use you every day of the week with football every day I mean this is almost like Christmas for us guys in the business that we're in of course tomorrow uh, you guys being you guys being of course uh, George state gonna be uh, playing their football game tomorrow they are now in the desert they've uh, nice and, and comfortable if I'm not mistaken but they're ready to get it on uh, tomorrow uh, tell us a little bit about it man uh, you know how excited is that program out there to keep practicing this is huge in so many ways. That's kinda of one of the benefits that fans don't see, but the coaches definitely understand. Uh but but give us a rundown a little pregame here. Uh, again we can get you tomorrow if you have time, but I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts why these guys are now locked in at the desert ready to play this bowl game finally.
5: Yeah, big one in the desert for the for the Panthers. Uh facing the Wyoming Cowboys and the Nova Loans uh Arizona bowl out in Tucson. The Panthers got out there uh on the twenty eighth, I believe, uh went went and uh went out and I uh, got to see some of the sights and sounds within the mountains there. I got to see uh, some uh, some bull riding, I believe, last night. Caught on social media and uh, the team practicing at one of the local high schools there. We'll play the game at Arizona Stadium, home of uh, the University of Arizona uh, Wildcats program. But uh, basically a very tough Wyoming team uh, that has an SEC victory on its resume as well. They went into Missouri and beat the Tigers to open their season. Um, and uh, so they these two teams have an SEC win. Uh, both uh, are very run heavy uh, and and want to run the football. Uh, Wyoming has one of the top run defenses in the country as well. So it's going to be strength on strength. I don't believe they've uh, um, allowed a hundred yard rusher all season either. So um, quarterback Dan Ellington for the Panthers is, uh, is is still playing with a partially torn ACL. This would be his fourth game, uh, playing a partially torn ACL, talked to some coaching staff members uh, the other day, um, and uh, they said that basically he looks strong, has done everything the trainer's team has asked, for him to do, continue to build up the strength in his cab and his quad, it's just still amazing that the kid's playing with the uh, torn ACL, running around out there, uh, passing the ball uh, with some level of efficiency. While many people would be, uh, you know, certainly uh, either had surgery or on a, on a table, uh, it makes me uh, feel awful lazy for sitting around as much as I have on the couch, uh, you know, during the Christmas and do uh, your holidays here. But uh, pretty impressive, uh, one of the best, Best running backs in in the uh, group of five ranks as well. And Trey Barnett uh, for Georgia State has almost 1,400 yards uh, rushing. Uh, I'll be interested to see if if Georgia State can get him off, uh, get him a couple passes, um, you know, in and out. And uh, Wyoming has also struggled um, offensively throwing the football. So it'll be uh, kind of a one-dimensional cowboy, uh, you know, attack there. And uh they're they're down a couple quarterbacks, I believe they have had some injuries at their quarterback position as well. So, uh if George State's able to stop the run, they could uh notch their second ever uh, bowl victory and uh, just a remarkable to see where that program has come. Uh, this is their tenth season of existence and and seventh full season uh playing at the FBS Devil level. So uh, to be third a third bowl in five seasons is really, really impressive and uh yeah, certainly certainly um you know, a launching point for this program. They're able to grab a victory on Tuesday uh, afternoon in Tucson.
2: Should be a good one there, Ben Moore, as always, man. Uh, What's going on with you guys? Uh, Give yourself an opportunity to give you a shout-out, a plug here, uh, a chance to tell everybody how to find you guys. Uh, I'd imagine it's all bowl season right now, and and you guys are are locked deep and loaded. Uh, There is college basketball. We'll get to those guys here a little bit later in the week maybe, but uh, it is all college football with everything going on. But uh, a quick plug for you and your guys over there 24-7 sports.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me at, at Benmore twenty uh, four seven on Twitter if you are so inclined. And uh, no, we still still have some uh, some guys who have yet to make a decision, yet to sign. Um, you know, for uh, the twenty four seven sports composite top top uh, one hundred guys, uh, many many have of course signed their letter of intent and are locked in. Uh, but we still have do have the signing period coming up in February, the first Wednesday in February. Used to be at what what seemed to be like a national holiday. So we know that that has moved up uh, to one of the last weeks. Uh, there in December, but uh, there's still some decisions that to be made. There's still some schools that are that are trying to lock up a few more pieces. And as we also know, you have the transfer portal going on. So as these bowl games conclude, guys uh, decide, hey, this this isn't the place for me. Uh, don't stick around. They're moving, moving along, uh, you know, and finding new homes. There and uh, the possibility of them, you know, grabbing immediate eligibility. You really never know with the NCAA, and as you mentioned, college basketball is well underway. Conference play, for the most part, starts uh, with the first of the year. So previewing that, uh, most uh, most folks don't really pay attention to college basketball until after the uh, the college football, uh, you know, final is done, and maybe even until after the Super Bowl with March Madness coming. Uh, but uh, most most teams have played in between twelve and fifteen. Uh, basketball games already and the, uh, the the curse of the number one is certainly out there as well as uh, I think you've had six teams already who have been number one and five of those already have lost so uh, it's it's a lot of fun there's something going on as you mentioned every single day looking forward to the, uh, the culmination of college football season and as we know recruiting never stops too once you get done with 2020 you're on to 2021 and, and talking about the best uh, rising seniors in the nation
2: well, I'll tell you what, Ben, it's going to be a big one here. We'll get into college basketball, uh, I imagine, here in a week or so, maybe a few days away. Uh, we can maybe dabble in it a bit there. But, man, so much going on. We greatly appreciate it. As I mentioned it uh, with uh, Mr. Reginald Walker there, uh, all that he's done. But, man, you've been with me almost, it feels like, since day one. It had not been that long, but it feels like it because you guys have uh, jumped in here with us uh, head first. And uh, thank you so much. I do want to catch up with you. I- I'll send you some messages because I'd like to see you on here tomorrow with me. Uh, so just in case something happens, we we want to wish you a happy new year. Be safe, but uh, let's just hope the good Lord, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. We get you in here tomorrow on sunrise, and we can talk some more sports.
5: That that sounds like a plan, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Appreciate it.
2: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, take a quick break. Come back. We'll recap all the interviews. We'll look at some of the games today. There are football games today. Who knew? There are three, maybe four big games in today. So. We'll We'll talk about that here on the show. If you want to join us uh, quickly, the number to call in for the rest of the show, 323-784-9681. Again, 323-784-9681. Call in, hang out, let's talk football 30 minutes away.
1: We the Reach up, baby, Reach up, baby, we you. will get
2: Yeah, man, nothing like bringing it in here, uh, Southern Sports Central, uh, Jimi Hendrix style as uh, that guitar that it all knows. I don't care how old you are, man, you know when that guy's on it, man, it's no doubt about it, it's, uh, it's a good time. And, of course, it's a good time here. We do want to thank our uh, hour one guest uh, who joined us, Reginald Walker. He, of course, uh, is one of many voices, one for Charlotte 49ers and the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs, played his football days over at Penn State with We Are Penn State. That's right, the Nittany Lions and played for Joe Pott lived in Goose Creek for a little while. Learned that today. There's a nugget for you there. We had no idea when we got him in the other day that he spent some time here uh, back in the day when Hurricane Hugo had rolled through the low country and made, uh, I think, made a landfall over there around uh, McClellanville back in the 80s. Uh, of course, that was also uh, right after that was the the, the great uh, snowstorm. That happened as well, which you've heard a lot, seen a lot of that, that right before Christmas. Uh, so, uh, again, uh how small the world really is when we look at all, the, all the, uh, the landscape that we've got of this beautiful world that we live in. But it's so small in the big picture of things. And I think that's kind of a lesson learned there uh, overall in life. You know, your problems that you have today seem so big. Why? Because they're in front of you. But if you give them a little bit of time, give them a little bit of breathing room, if you will, they will spread out. Things that happen, it's only big because it's in front of you. Give it some space. Let it work itself out. All right, there you go. With that being said, now we'll keep moving forward and we'll look at uh, some of the games that are happening today. We are going to get into the NFL conversation here. So uh, if you're waiting for that, uh, that's coming up here in just a few seconds, actually minutes away. Uh, There are now going to be four games here today. They'll start off at 1230. You can check them out. Uh, The first one's on ESPN, Western Kentucky. Dalen Powell's very own Western Kentucky. And we've got another guy that's over there on this rock. Now, Dalen Powell played his days over at Somerville. And, uh, of course, uh, that was a, a lot of fun to watch. What he was able to do as an offensive lineman, he commits and goes over to Western Kentucky. He's one of the only true freshmen that's played the entire season. That speaks volumes of uh, Coach O, which uh, Coach uh, Nesbitt is uh, the uh, offensive line coach there. Uh, his, uh, he's had a couple of offensive coordinators there that he's gone through at Somerville. Of course, uh, Coach Joe called that prepared him. And uh, you know, of course, uh, then there's a Duncan that's on that staff. That's right, uh, the other Duncan, Stephen Duncan, who played at Ashley Ridge. He's a quarterback over there. So there is some low country connections there to Western Kentucky. They'll play Western Michigan. Uh, the Battle of the Wild Wild West is going to happen over in Dallas, Texas. Game time, of course, is 12:30. Uh, uh, it's going to be. Uh, they say uh, if I'm looking at this right. 38 degrees. I I don't think that's accurate there, but but nevertheless, and it's got a picture of a moon
0: coming up. So uh, yeah, it's probably still the the evening temperature that they're going off of yeah, right now. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, but it's,
2: it's a 12:30 <laughs> kickoff there. But anyways, long story short, uh, when you look at this one here, uh, you look at the lines and all that. I don't really going to get into that one. I do expect this one to be a pretty good one. Eight and four taking on seven and five. It's going to be a good momentum builder for both programs. It's going to be an opportunity for both programs to go out and recruit a little bit more. They've practiced about three or four weeks more than other teams and colleges have because they've got time there. Uh, We'll watch and see what they do. The other matchup, watch this one. Now, there is two matchups between the SEC and the ACC. This one, a pretty big one here. This is the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. If there was a bowl I'd like to go to that's not a big bowl, this is one because it's in Memphis, Tennessee.
0: Great music. Music music City, yeah. Oh,
2: man, great barbecue. It's almost a little bit of touch of heaven. And some college football. Why are you there at 4 o'clock today? That's going to happen at the Nissan Stadium. Uh, 45 degrees is what they're screaming, I believe, when kickoff is, if that's going to be accurate as well. not sure uh, if that is going to be the way it is, but I believe uh, you, you look at this one, uh, the line has uh, Mississippi State four and a half here in this one. Uh, coming back a little bit, we'll see. I'm not sure because Louisville is is not a team I have a lot of faith in. They've dropped teams. They've won games, but they're very inconsistent. They've been blown out by a few, but they do have, I would say, the best three tandems out there. Of course, their quarterback out there, Cunningham, he's really good. He's got over uh, 1,700 yards in the air this year. On the ground, they've got a 1,400-yard runner, and, and of course, uh, the receiving over 1,100 yards guy over there, but they haven't seen the defense that, you'll, that they'll see today. They haven't seen some of the impact that they're going to see today from uh, Michigan State, or Mississippi State. Mississippi
0: State. Yeah, no, the thing the thing with me, like you you just said, and I'll echo that uh, sentiment, is the, the fact that Louisville's inconsistency. I mean, they, they started, I think they started off the year 0-2 or 0-3, they go and win some games, and then uh, they, there were some games that they uh, lost that they should have won. There's some games that they, uh, you know, uh, lost that they should have won. One that they should have lost, and uh, you know, all the all the different statements. So you can give really uh, they they are fortunate to to be in a position where they are in a bowl game because it could their season could have easily been five and seven, and then we wouldn't be uh, talking this discussion. Mississippi State would probably be playing another uh, SEC foe. Uh, in this game but nonetheless you know the uh i'm really impressed to see uh what uh what cunningham does of course uh uh, cunningham the starting quarterback uh mikhail cunningham uh he's a sophomore um from from montgomery uh so he's not going to be that far away from home but uh like his stats right now he's he's thrown 20 touchdowns he's only thrown uh five picks and he's so close to the 2000 yard mark um and, and you know his completion percentage um, at, at 61 and a half, it's going to have to be a lot more uh, if if they are going to want to elevate their game and to be able to uh, rise above the Mississippi State who is again favored in this game um, you know ESPN's uh, power power football power index the FBI has Mississippi State uh, winning this game almost at 65 percent uh, and, and of course you know the, the over under is um, at 63 and it's in favor of Mississippi State but uh, this should be this should be an intriguing matchup to watch and hopefully not not so much of a blowout like, like we saw uh in in the two games uh prior to the uh semifinal games on Saturday.
2: Yeah, it should be an interesting one. Of course, uh, now that game gonna happen at uh, four o'clock and then also at four o'clock, California, Illinois in the Red Box bowl game. That of course all the way out in uh Santa Clara, California, kickoff there at four o'clock. Uh the favorite right now, Cal six and a half, uh and I would expect Cal to win this one, however, I don't know if I'm 100% buying in on that because of the factor that Illinois, and that's just because of the time thing. We'll see if they've been there long enough to kind of get acclimated there. Illinois is not a bad team. They're just not a great team. They're a team that's kind of in uncharted waters. They've seen some runs of days when they had some winning ways and some things kind of going the way they thought they were going to go. But six and six, to win this when it goes 7-6 and six, sounds a lot better than 6-7. and seven. That one game means a big difference when it comes to something like this one here. So uh, this one, again, is going to be kicked off at 4 o'clock over there in California. Santa Clara will be uh, the destination at the Red Box Bowl game. And again, uh, they're, they're getting them all out there. Uh, the quarterback that you're going to keep an eye on is going to come on the Illinois side. He's Brandon Peters. 130 238 is is the ratio there. 1600 yards in the air, 17 touchdowns. You got to watch for what he can do. On the other side, it's a running back. The defense is going to have to count for the running back and, of course, the likes of a reception uh, out of, of course, Nico uh, Ramigo is his name there, of course. 34 receptions, 477 yards. Not a huge, impressive number there, but he is one of the leading receivers coming into this uh, for both teams. Two touchdowns in the air. Christopher Bowers is, of course, as Burroughs is the guy there who has 188 carries, 794 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, it's the nightcap that I've got by all day long, and they saved the best for last. Down there at the Hard Rock Stadium, Miami, Florida, is the destination. This is not only a great game between the SEC and the ACC. Florida, really, I thought, honestly, was really good this year. They're only teams who I thought could have beaten LSU this year, where they call they could have gone either way. Yeah, They lose that when that propels them or pushes them back out of the conversation there uh, uh, against uh, an opportunity there to play in the SEC championship game. And I thought it would have been a better game to see Florida and, uh, and LSU in the SEC championship game, but that's not the way it worked out. Uh, you do see a very good coaching staff coming in here to Gainesville who's really resurged this program back to where almost they need to be 10-2, they're looking for 11-2, and two, but before they get there, they've got to go down to South Beach. They'll see a Virginia team. Again, that side of that division, that coastal side, right? That's the coastal side of the ACC. Yes. Yes, so every year they've had a new winner. They've never had a repeat winner like Clemson's won it every year, forever and ever, amen. Every year there's been a different winner in the coastal division. This year it's Virginia. Mm-hmm. Virginia, they're okay. They're not great, right? I mean, they're okay. They're 9-4. Uh, I don't know if they can keep up with. We'll find out. You yeah. may gain a little respect here for Virginia as you saw what they did against South Carolina last year in the Belk Bowl. Can they redo that again and beat another SEC team to finish their season, which is going to help them with recruiting?
0: Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing, you know, the the last time that Florida was in in this game in the Orange Bowl, it, it was the 2001 season. That was the final game uh that Steve Spurrier uh coached for the University of Florida and the and those Gators. Um and you know, Virginia, they're they're not only competing um, in the Orange Bowl, but it's also their first New Year's six-game uh, ever. So this is a, this is an historic mark for the Virginia Cavaliers team again, who is uh, who is uh, eight and four, no nine and four, excuse me. Uh, and they th- this is going to be uh, this is going to be a mark again for both teams because uh, Florida having an impressive season. I think uh, is it right under Dan, Dan Mullen. Yeah, Dan Mullen. Dan, Dan Mullen being the head coach of the Florida Gators going going ten and two. Uh, really being the only losses against an lSU team uh, and, and possibly auburn as well right. uh, if if I'm not mistaken and so uh for for them to end the year on a high note would be would be so awesome and for them to be ranked again in the top ten uh possibly even in the top five as they are uh ranked ninth right now right uh, and of course we'll see how all the the rest of these bowl games uh match up but but for this game in particular um it, it's a this Gators team is going up against a program still developing, uh, rising, growing, and becoming. Uh, and with, with, uh, with the head coach, um, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, that's what that's what yeah. he said. Talking about his own team growing and becoming.
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on. And, and to kind of correct you there, it's actually Georgia. They lost to Georgia. They did beat they Auburn. They lost to Georgia and they yeah, beat they Auburn. They beat okay. Auburn, right? Right. They beat Auburn 24-13. They lost to Georgia 24-17. There and that was of course uh, the world's largest cocktail party, Jacksonville, Florida. One of the great ones there as well. Yeah, that's, the season. A,
0: that's another um, one on, on the on the list of games that I want to go attend. Yeah, by that's got to
2: be a, that's got to be a checklist there. Uh, but yeah, they did of course. Uh, they were the closest team to uh, to almost beat an LSU team that's really good. Uh, but almost doesn't count. But anything and what hand grenades and horseshoes and, and neither one of those have played on a college yeah, close, football field. Close, close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades,
0: and slow dancing. Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> uh, there you go, slow dancing. I didn't have the slow dancing. I like that. I was all right, so years uh, ago. <laughs> all right, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we we'll, we'll dive into the NFL just because we need to make sure that we give these guys about 15 minutes of our time here uh, to talk a little bit about uh, and unfold what was yesterday, what was over the weekend, and uh, there's a lot. Uh, of things, uh, as that song comes up to my mind now, I can see clearly now that the uh, games are gone, who's going to play, where they're going to play at, so for me, I'm a Packer fan, I'm not happy that we didn't get the number one seed, but we swept our division, we did what we could do within the means that we could do it, how can you be mad at the guys, we got a first round by, and we'll get to watch everybody, and then the Cowboys, you did make it, I mean, I don't know how much greater it gets than that, for us here at Southern Sports, so, yeah, so it's it's kind of exciting to watch, but now, let me stop because I don't want to upset the Cowboy fans. And, uh, again, if you want to call in here for the next 10 minutes, uh, you can dial us up. It's easy to do. Check us out, 323-784-9681. That's the number to call in and uh, hang out with us here. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. Coming up next, we give a quick minute to the fellows in the NFL. Back, everybody, the final segment brought to you by our friends over there at, of course, uh, Simmons Barbershop, the one-stop shop. To get all your, well, I'd say uh, get ready for the new year. Get cleaned up, uh, shaped up, and ready to rock and roll. And bring it in in style, of course, Simmons Barbershop, located downtown Somerville here, of course, uh, not too far from the studios. As I'll uh, maybe venture over that way today or tomorrow, but definitely try to get there before the New Year's hits. It's only a couple days away here. Hopefully, everybody is uh, still in that uh, that positive mode. It's kind of like Disney world. If you ever go to Disney world, you want to go in the early part of the week because you get towards the end of the week. It's uh you look at the dad's faces. It's a complete different look than it is early, early in the week. Everybody's still in a good mood. Hey, you're in Disney world. It's all happy. By the end of the week, you realize that you had to go into some of the other funds that you didn't have and this, that, and the other, what's well, kind of like that in the holiday season. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a quick, like, Oh boy, here we go. We got to get back and check here, but, uh, we're going to stay in check as, uh, we'll, we'll break down, uh, what's happened and where we are with things. Uh, It is a done deal, by the way. The Packers, uh, of course, as we mentioned last week, won their division. Uh, They sit nice and comfortably where they're at. Uh, The Saints have already won their division. The Eagles, hey, the Flying Eagles did what they needed to do, and they took care of business and fashion. And uh, for the Eagles fans, uh, if they can stay healthy, this team is a dangerous team coming in uh to the playoffs. Now they ended up winning big and it wasn't a big one there for a while because it was tied at seventeen for a long time there. Uh the Giants came back and scored. They did what they needed to do. Yeah, Saquon Barkley gave us a lot of stress. Yeah. Uh, two two Giants fans included well, <laughs> Giants fans included. Yeah, you look at what the Eagles were able to do. 34-17. They went. So they win their division. We can circle them at the wagon now. And I think the game that a lot of people watch, along with yourself being a Packer fan, myself and a lot of Packer Nation out there watching to see what we were going to be, you're going to be a one or two seed. And again, there's a big difference there because uh, the one seed controls a lot. And I mean, by a lot means how long do they get to go where they go. And it was the 49ers and there wasn't enough beast mode to go around as they lost 26, 21, the 49ers take out the Seahawks. So you can circle that wagon, give them a number one stamp there. They'll be the number one seed. The number two seed will now go to the Packers. Number three seed will go to the Saints. And the number four seed will go to the Eagles. What does that mean? Well, that also means that the Vikings, as we had mentioned already, uh, they're in. They were already in. They were already in, yes. Right? But that means that instead of uh, Seattle winning that division, they now become a wild card team. So that's how that worked out uh, on that side, Will.
0: Right. And, uh, you you know, it it all came down to to the last second. uh, Honestly, the very last second. Um, You know, if anybody who who watched the Packers game uh, had a mini heart attack, uh, with with watching the, the Packers really struggle against the Lions and, and their uh, their backup quarterback um, and, and it, taking in a last second uh, a last second field goal in order to seal the deal and win the game for for the Packers and then um, you know of course the, the, the two games that mattered the most for the NFC East were uh, were of course the the division games themselves um, you know Philadelphia playing against the Giants and then uh, Dallas Cowboys playing against Washington and uh both both teams ended up winning their games but the Dallas Cowboys really needed Philadelphia to lose that game in order for there for them to even um be considered into the conversation of playoffs and so uh with with Philadelphia winning their game uh anyways uh they they are in the playoffs now and uh i think uh for the second time in 3 years then the game that mattered in the NFC was uh was the game uh, to decide the who was who's was going to be winner of the NFC West and that was San Francisco going to Seattle and that that one came down to the very last second I remember watching it uh and 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 staying up you know um Russell Wilson almost had another uh, ga- uh game winning drive added to his resume uh, already impressive resume and the uh, what what happened was that they almost scored uh the ball <laughs> If anybody recalls watching this, the ball was—I—I I, I promise you—an inch, maybe, maybe even a, a, a tiny hair away from uh, the goal line and from the end zone, and that would have been—that—that uh, that would have changed the entire uh, course of of the the history of the 100th season uh, of the NFL. And so, w- like, with that being said, the score ended being 26 to 21. Uh, 49ers win their division. They win. Uh, home field advantage all throughout the playoffs. They are the number one seed in the NFC, uh, and that's the NFC picture. Now, the AFC picture I, I honestly thought was more interesting. I don't know if you watched this video from the uh, Chiefs game, but Kevin Harlan, who was on the call, and, and Kevin Harlan is an announcer, does a, does an incredible job. He He was calling the Miami-New England game um at the same time that he was at kansas city covering the kansas city uh game that that, that they were playing and i can remember <laughs> that kevin harlan was uh all excited about a game that uh like you saw what was uh happening with kansas city and he was calling it a, a different game and uh like the, the, you just got to go and watch the video because i i can't be able right. to explain it all on my own but uh Basically, the excitement from his voice, and then about 20 seconds later, the, the Kansas City fans knew it. The reason that was so important, Miami beat New England Patriots, beat the New England Patriots. That means that New England then falls to the third, um, to the third seed in the playoffs. Kansas City moves up to the second seed. Right. Kansas City ended up winning their game, so they're second um, in the AFC behind Baltimore. So they have clinched a, a first-round bye. Whereas New England, they fall one spot. Now they have to play next week against, uh, I, I think, against the uh, Bills the or the Titans. It's yeah, the Titans. It's, it's the Titans. And, and the Titans, uh, the Titans ended up winning their game. If, if they didn't and the Steelers won against the, the Ravens, then the Steelers would have been in the playoffs. So it was a lot of playoff action, That uh, playoff implications uh, actions that happened yesterday for sure.
2: Yeah, a very interesting deal there you you mentioned it there. Of course the Titans ended up winning their game yesterday and that that meant a lot too by the way because I mean there were oh, a lot did. of other teams there. Steelers still had an opportunity, the Raiders had an opportunity.
0: Derrick, uh, Derrick Henry
2: yeah. uh
0: is the is the uh rushing leader for this year in the regular season. So congrats to him on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's
2: there, there's a lot of good things coming out of even though the Steelers did not make it. And I get it. The Steelers needed you know, They wanted to make it. I get they 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 had their they had their, their opportunities there to do what they needed to do, but considering where they were to where they are,
0: that's a pretty big deal. It's a winning season.
2: So nothing nothing to be ashamed of. Well that's not gonna get you a whole lot there. But yeah. uh, you know, we'll we'll look at some of the things so Here's some of the games that are gonna happen. Uh this of course uh is now set up and ready to rock and roll the next game. Will be the Buffalo Bills. they will take on the Texans and Houstons, uh and, and that one could be a good one. Very similar teams here. Ten and six, Buffalo comes in here. Uh, ten and six. The Texans come in here. The thing is, is that you look at the Texans. These guys come in here off a loss. How does that mean? What does that mean? How is that going to work itself out there? Uh, and uh, of course, the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots take on uh, the likes of uh, the Titans. Now the Titans they come off a win, and the Patriots come off a loss to Miami. And some people are like, Miami, what are you doing? You're messing up your draft selection. Look, man, they've been the first round, second round. Win the game when you can get the game. Get a nice little asterisk by your by your deal to win and beat the Patriots last win of the year that that's a lot of momentum for the guys that are by the way, currently on your roster. Why not get those guys pumped up a little bit?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest takeaway like from the Miami beating uh, beating new England yesterday was, you know, this, this Miami team was, was uh, they they've been cut from a, lo- a lot of their um, a lot of their talent and they they've just been left out to dry. Let just let 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 out on the side of the road and left to die. Uh, Brian Flores it should be an honorable mention for coach of the year, the way that he has just continued to fight um, for, for his team and and establishing a culture that, that is like, look, we, we are here for each other and we need to just go out and play the best ball that we can and be able to uh, uh, try to win games. And, you know, the front office staff at at Miami, you know, call it, call it what you will, that they, that they were uh, planning to, to, to tank for Tua or uh, forget it all for Jake Fromm or, Um, uh, however that you wanted to look at it they were wanting to get a franchise quarterback um, and uh, Josh Rosen was not their guy and so they put uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, back in and Fitzmagic works his magic and and throws a uh, touchdown pass to the tight end with what 17 seconds left or something and and then they end up winning their game Um, again Brian Flores being able to just coach up his guys uh, and and they lost they lost really bad to new england in miami in week two uh with with an outing that they weren't able to get any points on the board then they turn around in week 17 uh, it's almost a full season but come come week 17 and they beat a new england team and and knock them down in the playoff picture uh it's it's really incredible and should be a proud moment to a lot of miami fans and 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 really Uh, an homage to Brian Flores and what he's been able to do in his first year as a head coach there.
2: Yeah, and you've seen video of him there on the sidelines. Uh, Yeah, tip of the cap to him. And what he's able to do is kind of win over, at least uh, win that last game is a big deal there. So uh, we we look at those two games. That's a Saturday, January 4th, coming up this weekend. Uh, The Bills will play at the Texans. The Titans will play at the Patriots. And then on Sunday, you head to the NFC where they'll take off. And uh, the first game there is going to be on Fox at 105, kickoff, Vikings at New Orleans. That's going to be a tough one for the Vikings, man. To, to win on the road is hard, but to win in New Orleans even harder. Boy, New Orleans is going to be partying the for Super quite time. Superdome yeah. is loud. It's a loud spot. Yeah, and then at 440 on NBC, Seattle, and the Eagles. Who's the battle of the birds there? Who's going to win this one? Uh, is a healthy year team, and I said healthy year, is a healthier team out of the Eagles, being able to uh, to, to handle the likes of uh, the Seahawks and, and, and Beast Mode. And By the way, there's other guys over there, you know, and I said this, uh, and it was actually mentioned yesterday on a countdown on ESPN was the, the barometer of when it was, if Jadavion Clowney was going to step up. They mentioned him yesterday and his ability to be healthy. And I mentioned this on our show on Saturday with you on your show, actually
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, on, he's kind of the difference maker for me. Still is going to be the difference maker. He's got to get healthy. He's got to get in there. He's got to become a contributor, but also a threat. When he's a threat, he's a contributor just out of, by the default. And the same, I said this too, same conversation, same team, just having beast mode on the field, you have to account for him. And they said that as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Jadavian Clowney, he been he's been uh, battling a core injury all season, I think. And, and the way that the Texans mishandled him. And, uh, and so then he got traded to, to the Seahawks. And, um, he was, he was a difference maker in that game for sure. Uh, I would, I wouldn't say not enough of a difference maker uh, because they ended up losing the game. But nonetheless, his his presence there on the defensive line and for him to um, just just continue to go after it, uh, play after play um, there on the outside. And uh, there there was one play I remember uh, watching the I remember watching the replay and just how uh, how much that he wanted to to get to the quarterback uh, at, at that moment in time. Uh, and, and he was being double teamed, double covered uh, just to just to try to prevent him from getting any more traction uh, or any more ability to try and get to Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback for the 49ers. But, uh, yeah, the difference maker is, is definitely health uh, and uh, this game in particular, because the Seahawks have a chance to uh, Seahawks have a chance to go. And I think that if they do win this game uh, and and they're they're the fifth seed uh they they're possibly going to end up playing again uh, uh they're going to play a green bay team once again possibly um and, and that all depends on how uh who wins the game uh in uh who wins the game there in in uh new orleans but it, it, there's a lot of good football that, that's going to be coming up this weekend uh in the NFL uh, a lot of good storylines but that that one in particular the Seahawks and uh the Eagles it's going to come down to health of either team which one is going to be the healthiest uh, and which one is going to want it more, if you will.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, that's kind of going to be the headline there. If you look at the NFL picture there overall and how this thing's kind of kind of size itself up again, you've got the bills and the Texans 435 ESPN on Saturday, January 4th. CBS is going to cover the Titans and the Patriots, 815. And then on Sunday, the NFC guys get their thing in Vikings at the Saints, 105 on Fox and 440 over there. Uh, the time for a kickoff on NBC sports for Seattle and the Eagles. Now again the winners will break all into that as well. But it has been a great show. We've enjoyed having you guys start off the Monday with us. We'll be back live tomorrow. I've got a beat rider that I think is going to check in from the Ohio State camp right there out of the state of Ohio on the uh, campus of the Buckeyes here. It's gonna be a first time guys. so it'll be a
0: lot of fun. I tell you we should reserve an entire half hour for him cause I there probably is a lot a lot to talk about. Yeah uh on that front. It'll be a lot sure. of it I uh, do want to thank Reginald
2: Walker here, of course, uh, the voice of many there. He covers the Charlotte 49ers. He also covers uh, Gardner-Webb, the Bulldogs, and he was a former player over there for Joe He played for Penn State back in the day here, of course, uh, grew up, didn't know this, but grew up in Goose Creek, went to, uh, well, spent some time in Goose Creek. Don't know how long he was here, but he was here long enough to be a part of that Hurricane Hugo uh, conversation. And uh, I want to thank him for his time. He will join us again, I think, as early as Friday or as late as Friday. And then tomorrow we'll get back in here with Ben Moore. We'll talk some more with him from 24-7 Sports out of the ATL. He joined us in hour number two. So I want to make sure you get us a follow on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SOSports Central. Of course, you can uh, continue to follow us all throughout the week. We'll be back live tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. We'll let you know on the Wednesday show. We will do a Wednesday show. Just don't know the time frame yet. And uh, that'll do it for today. So, Will, great job as always. Uh, We'll be back live tomorrow morning 7 o'clock sharp right here on Blog Talk Radio. On behalf of myself, Richie Altman, that is Will Porter saying so long, so farewell, and God bless.
1: Yeah, you can be the greatest, you can be the best, you can be the King Kong banging on your chest.